You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Hello. Hello. You look nice. Hello, Arena. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> nice to see you all too. Yeah. Well, we want to talk today about relationships, uh, specifically about marriage. Uh, we are... We realize that in this room, there's a, a whole different group of people, uh, those that are married, those that are single, those that don't want to be married, and uh, that's okay, no problem at all. Or we also realize that there are people um, that marriage is tough at the moment. Um, maybe you've actually gone through a separation or a divorce. Maybe you've lost a loved one, uh, your, your life partner, and actually to, to hear about marriage and talk about marriage might be a little bit tough. Some of us, we might be here today, and our marriages are just hanging in there. Uh, our prayer is that this would be an encouragement for all of us. We don't want anyone to not feel welcome or feel like this couldn't apply to you in some shape or form. Yeah, awesome. Well, this message is for all of us. Um, the principles we're going to share this morning um, don't just relate to marriage, but to all relationships. And uh, let's be real, relationships are complicated. They are. And if left to our own devices, you know, selfishness will ultimately ruin them. But we believe as a church that God created us for a relationship with him and each other. And because of that, he's got something and some things he wants to share with us in his word. And so we can't wait to share them with you. So our prayer is that marriages would be strengthened today and relationships would be enriched. And if it's okay, we'd like to take perfect We'd like to take perfect off the table. As young people, we dreamed of a perfect marriage, and then we got married. <laughs> uh, and a perfect marriage would require two perfect people, uh, of which I love you, babe, but you know, you're not perfect, and you well know by now that I am not perfect either. You know, we once heard um, something recently, actually, that says pretty good, a pretty good marriage is awesome. Uh, we like good, don't we? Well, we think pretty good is even better. Pretty good allows for mistakes. It allows for forgiveness, growth, and the process of maturity. Perfection, on the other hand, does not. And it doesn't tolerate mistakes or room, have room for improvement. We also recently heard, imagine if we could grow our relationships by 5% uh, this year. We would grow every year. I think that's so cool. Maybe we pray 5% more. Maybe we give 5% more. Maybe we forgive, save 5% more. Imagine what our relationships could be in 20 years' time. I'm not great with maths, but I'd say they'd be 100% better. So our story so far, uh, we've been married for almost 25 years. Uh, we started dating far too young, got married far too young, some would say. Yes. But uh, so thankful that uh, we've done all of the journey together from a young, uh, from a young age. Uh, but by God's grace, and I'll be honest, a lot of hard work, uh, our marriage is getting pretty good. It's not perfect, but it's getting pretty good. Um, and one of the decisions we made is we just wouldn't quit. We just wouldn't quit turning up every day and uh, adding value to each other. And uh, we're going to talk through some of the things uh, that have helped us in our marriage and hopefully will help you in yours as well. Uh, but we realized that when we made a commitment to get married, that, that this marriage is hard. So is divorce and separation. Yeah. And so, so we've chosen, I heard that just recently, marriage is hard, divorce is hard. The hard I'm choosing is marriage. Right. I, I'm, I'm investing in our marriage, even though it might be tough. Um, if you don't want to deal with hard, don't get married. And that might be good for some, right? 
But, but if, if, you, if you want also that companionship, that, that somebody alongside you, it's amazing, but it's also a little bit tough. But with God's help, we've chosen to put the effort into our marriage to make it pretty good. Amy and I don't have a perfect marriage, as she said, but after two and a half decades, uh, we think it's pretty good. And we've realized that marriage is all about learning and growing and coming on the journey together. And there's no one I'd rather share the highs and lows with than this woman here. And uh, she knows all of my secrets, and she won't be telling them to you today. So, <laughs> maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. You know, we've got um, three beautiful kids. We have Rosie, who's 14, Josiah is almost 11, and Zoe is 8. And as many of you might know, we made babies the hard way. We had a journey of um, t- 10 years of infertility. And I think something that could have broken our marriage actually has become a strength and uh, an opportunity for God to use that to minister to others. And so if you thought two was difficult, try adding three kids uh, to the mix. We've got a complicated story too of through our IVF journey. We donated two of our frozen embryos to a beautiful couple who couldn't have their own kids. Uh, and for those of you who have ventured beyond three kids... Where are you? I know that there's some of you. Yes, hello, there's lots of you. Hey, we honour you. You are absolute legends. One of the reasons uh, I believe that we have a pretty good marriage, and if you look across this place, there are amazing marriages that we look up to and we we are so thankful for. And I I think one of the main reasons is we, we believe God's word to be true. And we've built our marriage on God's word. And when we don't know what to do, we keep coming back to God's word. And when we disagree with one another, we come back to God's word because in God's word is the answers for all of our relationships and for our marriages as well. And one of the the most awesome pieces of um, descriptive writing about marriages, I think, is found in Ephesians chapter 5, where Paul the Apostle, he says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. Husbands, love your lives. Love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Now, how did he love the church? He died for the church. So come on, gentlemen, we got to die for our wives. Uh, Just as Christ gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. I think it's such a beautiful picture, isn't it, of a godly marriage. It's both uh, sacrificial and submissive between a husband and a wife. And so this morning, we're just going to start a conversation. We're going to share some keys um, that we have learnt um, to building a pretty good marriage. With each point, we want to give you one question. Maybe you could ask each other this coming week to make your relationship 5% better. And let's not just leave it for a Sunday. Um, what we want to share with you, maybe you could make time during the week. So are we ready? Yes. Number one, make communication a daily priority. Make communication a daily pr- priority. Why? Because looks, uh, money, sex, a personality, good personality, won't actually cut the mustard. A pretty good marriage is built on intentional and constant communication. Good communication manages priorities and expe- expectations of each other. And communication is all about what we say or don't say. So it comes in three main forms. You've got words, the words that we speak, the nonverbal, and our spirit. And I think it's important that we understand all these things. Uh, we had a bit of a communication fail this week because I used the wrong words. And anyone ever done that? Mike, what happened? 
How many people also believe that coffee is great for marriage? Um, a lack of coffee makes a harder marriage. Yes. Just saying, Have just we saying, had two already this morning? We had two already this morning. So anyway, we love our coffee. We love going for a coffee. And uh, we were down in Auckland, and the cafe that we were going to go get our coffee from was on the other side of the road. And I couldn't turn in there. A couple of trucks you know, parked up at the lights. So we parked on the side of the road, and I said to Amy, do you want me to go get the coffee? She, she says, no, that's fine, I'll grab them. So she hops out of the car, crosses the road, goes and orders the coffees. All of a sudden, my phone rings, and I'm like, oh, it's Amy. It's like, hey, hey, babe, how, what's up? She goes, can you come and help me? Because I, I don't know if I'm going to get across the road with the coffees. Um, can you come and help? I'm like, of course, sure, I can help. So I get out of the car and cross that, that really difficult highway and, uh, and, and a knight in shining armour. I turn up and there I am to help her with the coffees. And she says, did you bring the car? Where's the car? I'm like, sure no. I said that. No, no I don't think uh, I did. I didn't bring the car. I said, I'm here to help you with the coffees. She <laughs> says, but why didn't you bring the car? I said, maybe because you didn't ask me to bring the car. And so we get the coffees and I cross the road. And there's enough gap for her to also cross the road at the same time. And, but she doesn't take the moment. And so, she, so I'm on the other side of the road now with the coffees. She's on the other side as the traffic starts to build up. And she goes, I'm going to the crossing. So she goes the opposite direction to the crossing, crosses over. I'm sitting in the car with the coffees. So wishing I had the courage to take out my phone and film what was about to take place next. Wisdom kicked in at that moment, and I decided not to. So, um, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't very happy, was I? <laughs> but I didn't clearly communicate. Has anyone ever done that? Didn't clearly communicate what I needed. And, you know, it also got me thinking that just because I think something also doesn't mean I have to say it. Our tongue, we told in Proverbs, has the power of life or death. This is a prayer I pray regularly because I need to. Psalm 141.3, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch at the door of my lips. Every day, actually today, <laughs> I have to choose whether or not I say what I'm thinking Oh, I've got a little bit of work to do, just with our kids, one child in particular. But Paul says, 2 Corinthians 10.5, it says we need to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. So we have our, our verbal, our words, then we have our nonverbal um, communication. And often it speaks so much louder, doesn't it, than actually what we say. Shrugs, sighs, rolling of the eyes, communicate so much. Uh, Non-verbal communication is meant to accent our verbal, not be the primary means. And ladies who are married here, your husband is not a mind reader. Hey, if you are slamming doors, rolling your eyes, huffing and puffing around the house, and he asks, are you okay? And you reply, I'm fine. She's fine, right? She's fine. I'm not fine. And he literally will take it as a I'm fine. So help the guy out. Uh, Say what really is going on. Make it clear. And just remember, you know, we can say one thing, but our body language can say something else. But it's not just our words and the non-verbals, it's the spirit in which it comes out as well. Uh, Ever been in one of those awkward conversations where someone looks like they're saying the right thing and they're even saying the right words, but there's a tone that comes that just you just don't really believe that what they're saying is actually true? There's a spirit in which we communicate. 
Is, is it loving? Is it caring? Or is there, a, is there an angle that, that is being delivered with that message that you're trying to communicate? Now, guys, uh, communication isn't generally our strong point. I'm generalizing here. Some males are very good at communication, some not as good as others. What I've found is because I am a male and I kind of one, one at a time is perfectly enough for me, you give me two things to think about at once, I'm struggling. So when Amy wants to speak to me, I have to give her full attention, which means I've got to put my phone down, stop scrolling, stop playing my games. I've got to put the phone down and go, I'm listening, right? We've got to give full attention for that. Um, we need to also, in those moments, Amy and I, we need to give ourselves time where there's no distractions, uh, I, we, we try to engage in conversations at the wrong times when the kids are there. And uh, sometimes we can give the impression that we're listening, but we're not. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm, 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 mm. <laughs> and I'm elsewhere. I'm somewhere else completely. But a great relationship requires a commitment to talk to each other at a meaningful level every single day. Uh, it gets harder as the kids grow up. The older they get, the longer they want to spend talking to us at the end of the day. And so when we're wanting to sleep, they're wanting to talk. And so we got to find times to actually be able to communicate. Yeah. And I think one of the most frust- frustrating things for Mike is uh, when he gets home after a very busy, full-on day of communication is if I don't give him a kiss and a hug, but I get straight into unloading my day on him, that really frustrates him because I often do that. And he's also got three kids too, who want to spend time with him too. So I'm still working on that one. Um, but like anything you want to be pretty good at, you've got to work on it. So once a week, normally on a Friday, we sit down and we look at our schedules. We look at our week, our month to come. Uh, we talk about our communication. We talk about our kids and what they might be needing at this moment. We talk about our sex life. Yes, We talk about it because it's important. Uh, We talk about our money uh, and how our budget is going, or how I like to describe it as our spending plan. How is our spending plan going? We also plan our date nights, time away. It's really handy to have a 14-year-old now. And we think we've cracked babysitting. So here's, here's, (laughs) here's a tip for you. Give it a try. So we give some money for the babysitter and then money to the ones being babysat. If the ones being babysat don't behave, the babysitter cleans up and takes all of their money. You're welcome. (laughs) Give it a nudge. See how you get on. And here's the thing with communication. You know, we're both really different people. God has made us different, and he's done that on purpose. We don't think the same. We don't hear things the same. And so I think the great adventure of marriage and also you know, its greatest challenge probably (laughs) is trying to understand how your spouse ticks. Um, I love um, how Mark Gungor puts it. He says, men have boxes. Every problem, every issue has a box of its own. And once that box has completed, then he will move on to the next box. Uh, It's actually also true that men have a nothing box. They have a nothing box, a place where they can disappear and not need to be explained. I'm quite intrigued by Mike's nothing box. Do we allow a woman to come I'd into quite like nothing to box? peer into his nothing box because I think I would add really good value to it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. But I think sometimes I have to ask Mike to get out of his current box and into another box so we can actually communicate. Now, me, this is a generalized statement, but women, we don't have boxes. We have wires, 
and everything is connected to everything. And you need to work this out. Everything is connected to everything. And we're supposed to guess, aren't we? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. But understanding this will add a lot of value to your communication. So here's a question you can ask uh, this week. What's one thing I could communicate to you that would make our relationship 5% better? So ask that question. Second key to building a great relationship is putting your spouse's needs above your own or in your relationships, other people's needs above your own. Paul says it's better to be single. This is actually what Paul says. It's better to be single because then you can be single-mindedly focused on Jesus. But if you are married or if you are in a relationship, you have to consider the other person. And I love what Paul says in Philippians. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Now, what does that look like in real life? Well, I've yet to meet a person who says, oh, I have so much time on my hands. I, I, I wish I had something to do. I wish I could fill my time with something. No one's got extra time, do we? Everyone's busy doing what they're doing. Whether you are the CEO of a company or the CEO of a home, we are busy. We have got... Um, interested stakeholders that want our attention, want our focus. And what can happen is so often is we can spend all of our time, our focus, our attention on all of the other stakeholders and miss our spouse, miss the one who should get our very best. So we can spend ourselves and, and, and be kind and generous and open doors for people and say all the right words and the kind things that work. And then when you get home, it's just like, ah, and it all comes out, and it spills out. I've often said that Amy gets my best, but sadly, she also gets my worst. And so when we're, when we're in that place, I have to be considering her more than myself. And our, our selfish nature, we still want it to be about us. We still want to get our peace. We still want to be satisfied to, to receive what we think we're entitled to. But Paul is saying, don't do it out of selfish ambition or vacancy. Consider others' needs greater than your own. That's the way Christ lived, and that's how he invites us to treat others in relationship. And can I just say that Mike actually does a really awesome job um, of this. It's one of his strengths. And um, what he does for me and our kids makes it really easy for me to respond to him in that same way. We call that win-win, putting each other's needs above our own. So using your newly acquired communication skills, here's a question. What's one practical thing I could do for you this week that would make our relationship 5% better? What's one practical thing I could do for you this week? Great question. Our, thir our third key to building a pretty good marriage is address conflict quickly. Address conflict quickly. I think right here is why marriages can struggle so much because hurt or conflict, offense that is not addressed quickly can end up uh, wounding us. And um, if, at least, if left sorry, untreated, it can fester. James 1.19 says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. That's also a verse I know off by heart because it's a goodie. The challenge is we do get frustrated, don't we? The challenge is we do get angry, and so what do we do? You know, as we've said, we don't have a perfect marriage, which sometimes I know it's hard to believe, but we disagree. We argue, and sometimes we fight fear, and sometimes, sadly, we do not. 
And so we're almost 25 years into this and we're convinced that if we make the right time to communicate in a calm manner, then nothing should be left unsaid. Um, any and every issue, hurt or offence, no matter how small, trivial or insignificant, um, is able to be talked through. It's free to be talked through without uh, judgment, fear of judgment, belittling or being shut down. And what that also what that also allows for us is to activate the love clause, and I love this. One Peter four eight says, "Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins." I don't always have to say everything I think. Sometimes I can let it go. I can give it to God and allow love to cover it over, because I know that we have a place that we can talk about it. And here's a tip, gentlemen. If your wife is angry, grab a towel, drape it over her shoulders, and she's gone from angry to super angry. Ah, <laughs> oh, you've done that this week. <laughs> but seriously, uh, have a scheduled time to talk. If you don't have that scheduled time to talk, chances are it's going to come out at the wrong time. Uh, dinner time is not the right time to deal with your marital conflict with the kids around you. Uh, in fact, when we, when we have a, a fight, an argument, whatever you want to call it, we make sure that we make up in front of our kids too nice. because they need to know that we're sorting things out and they're seeing us sorting it out. In fact, our kids will go, Dad, you didn't treat Mum right. You need to go sort that out. I'm like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I don't want to hear it, but yes, you're right. Yeah, and I love that about our kids, that they want our relationship to be good. So they will put the pressure on us to make sure that we're taking accountability for our own relationship. Um, we try to talk together aside from the kids. We have to make that marriage time. And we struggle with this. Um, sometimes we'll just raise things at the wrong time and we need to get better at that. And we, we, we kind of have this saying now, hey, yes, we do need to cover this. We need to talk about this, but we're not going to talk about it until the kids are in bed. Uh, and so we make a time to talk or maybe we'll talk about this. This is a bigger issue that can't be solved right now. Maybe we need to deal with this um, on Friday when we actually have our sit down, our coffee, our chat together. Um, we also have what's called the 10 o'clock rule. And uh, I don't know about you, but nothing good ever gets solved past 10 o'clock at night. I'm tired, I'm grumpy, I just want to sleep. And so we can call the 10 o'clock rule on each other. So if, if, if we're in a conversation and it's starting to, to, to escalate a little bit, and you, know, you could probably even call it at 9 o'clock if you really need to, but uh, we, 10 o'clock, we basically say we do need to talk about this. Now, you've got to be really clear. It's not an escaping of the conversation. It's saying, at this moment, I'm not going to be able to give you my full attention and my best. We're going to reset this conversation or reschedule this conversation, maybe for tomorrow, and set a time. You've got to come back and address it and actually have that conversation. You can't leave it in that space. Um, so what happens when we can't find an agreement? Sometimes we clash. There's no budging uh, either way. Where there's that, that tense part in our relationship, I'm right, she's right, and... Where do we go with that? This is where the scripture comes back in again. Do nothing out of selfish ambition, vain conceit, but in humility consider others' needs greater than our own. So that means I have to consider Amy more than myself in that situation. And it's that humility that, that we have to keep going back to God saying, God, I need help. I need help because 
because I love this marriage and I love this relationship. So I have to give myself into that relationship by humbling myself and saying, you know what, I'm going to concede that. And sometimes if I, I got to concede because maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong. But at the end of the day, what's important is, is us together. You know, I need to understand and then seek to be understood. So often we're like, oh, you got to understand me, whereas we need to flip it on its head. And if we both do this, it works. Meaning, I want to understand what you're saying to me. If I can understand what you're saying to me, then maybe you can understand what I'm saying to you. It's kind of like extending that opportunity for someone to listen and for us to listen as well. And I think if I think in the early days of our marriage, I was pretty good at winning the fights. Like I was, I, was, I, could, I was sharp. I could knock Amy down with my words. I could really destroy her with my words. And, and I knew how to win every argument, even when I knew I was wrong. You got to hear me. Not good. I would, I would win it because, you know, I knew I could. And Amy would concede. And I ended up trampling on her. Ended up damaging her confidence in who she was. And so... If the outcome is that I'm right and she's wrong, and that's the goal, then, then I've completely missed it. The goal is not for me to, to have a winner. The goal is for us to grow stronger together, which means that we have to engage in that humility. If there's winners and losers in an argument, then we've both lost. So this is absolutely fundamental, foundational to a healthy, growing marriage. And we've got to have the tools to navigate conflict and to be able to deal with it quickly. So, ready for your question? Number three, is there anything I've done this week that has upset you and we need to talk about? Can I make a suggestion? Just give one to start with. <laughs> just, just one, just one. Don't give the list of ten. You can write the list of ten, but just deliver one at a time. Let them have a turn. And then is there anything else? Then you can add the second one, okay? Right. Deal with the big one. Put the big one up there and then, yeah. Good. Good stuff. And lastly this morning, as the team come, <laughs> we're wrapping it up. Um, Number four, a fourth key to a pretty good marriage, pray with and for each other. If we were to tell you there was a simple five-minute activity that you could do with your spouse in order to make your marriage a whole lot stronger, in fact, the chances of it growing and becoming successful is 99.9%. Those are good odds, right? Would you take that on? Now, it's not going to surprise you that it's prayer. So there have been surveys, studies done on couples that pray together. One study shows that only 11% of couples pray together on a daily basis. And by praying together, I'm not talking about, Lord, thank you for the food, amen, or we're in trouble, help, kind of a prayer. I'm talking about a coming together daily, constantly, consistently, saying, let's pray about this, let's pray about that. A Gallup poll done by the National Association of Marriage Enhancement showed the divorce rate among couples who pray together regularly is one out of 1,152. That's less than 0.1%. That is significant. That's hugely significant. Do not underestimate the power of prayer. And can I just, can I just say, guys, we struggle with this. Amy and I would struggle with this, and it wasn't hers to lead, it was mine. It was my responsibility as the head of the home to lead there. And what I'd say, if, if you're sitting here going, oh, I know I haven't prayed for my wife. C 
can, can I tell you, no guilt, no condemnation, but you've got an opportunity today. You've heard some pretty compelling statistics that could add value to your marriage. Would you just simply say to your spouse, I'm sorry I haven't prayed for you like I should. Can we make a time to do that? I can promise you, your spouse will want to hear that. <laughs> That's so good. You know, both of our parents have been married over 45 years. Um, and one, I think one of the greatest pieces of advice they have ever given us, both of them, has been that we need to make God at the very center of our marriage. You know, He is the author and the finisher, the one in whom all things, holds all things together. And the best way to make sure that God is in the middle of our marriages, of our relationships, is to pray. And so something that we have started doing is simply saying, should we pray about it? Should we pray about it? Someone in the family is sick. Should we pray about it? Uh, our finances are tight. Should we pray about it? There's conflict over an issue. Shall we pray about it? You've had the most amazing day. Want to stay married to me? Shall we pray about it? Let's pray. And I know it sounds cheesy, but we've heard statistically that it is true that a couple that prays together stays together. 1 John 5.14 says, This is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He will hear us. And as Mike has said, this has not always been easy for us. This has been a challenge. But we have learned that it's really hard to stay grumpy with someone that when you've made a commitment to pray with them. True. It's really hard to say grumpy when you've made a commitment to and pray. And it's hard to pray with someone when you're grumpy. <laughs> when you're grumpy with them. So yes. you've got to make a choice, right? Yeah, you do need to make a choice. Um, you know, I think early on in our marriage, the temptation for me was, oh, God, God, please change Mike. You know, please change our, please change our spouse. But I really realized pre pretty quickly that actually the prayer I needed to be praying was, God, please change me. And um, it's only the Holy Spirit's work that can do that change in our lives. And, you know, I changed my prayer to, Lord, bless Mike, prosper him, lead him, guide him, provide for him, sustain him. I began to pray these prayers daily. And what resulted is that not only did God change Mike, but God actually changed me. Yeah. The reality is that here today, some of us may be, uh, dealing with years of unresolved conflict. And actually, if you look at your relationship, you go, man, we're, we're only just hanging in there. There's so many things that we're, we're wrestling with. And one prayer session probably isn't going to change that. In reality, there's bad thinking, there's bad habits that have probably got in place. And yes, you need to start praying and make it a priority and make it a part of your daily. But actually, for some of us, we need to take another step further too. We need to invest in our marriage. Uh, one of the things we would love to do in the next um, couple, of, couple of terms is we'd like to provide some marriage courses um, and uh, run some marriage courses for those that just want to add value to their marriage. Maybe there's some people thinking of getting married. Um, that we've got a pre-marriage course that we could also do. Uh, we really believe there's a, there's a need for us to invest into our marriages in this next season. Um, we want to offer these marriage courses. Um, so grab your clinic card even right now as I'm talking. If you're thinking, yeah, I would like to invest in my marriage, grab it, write it now. Hey, I want to do a marriage course. Give us your contact details. Uh, when we know how many we've got, we can work out what the course is going to look like. When you think about it, we, we, we go and service our cars, don't we? Well, most of us should. Okay, if we don't service our car, we don't take care of it, then the car's going to break down. Do we put that same effort into our marriage? 
do, do we put time into a decent warrant of fitness to make sure that things are going well? going well. I really hope and pray that each of us would do that. We've done uh, weekends to remember. We've done the marriage course um, numerous times, probably due to do it again. Uh, in fact, we, we might even lead one ourselves in the next season. Uh, so come and join us as we bear all in our marriage and uh, you can bear some of yours and we can have some fun together. But um, as we said, you know, there is a cost of pretty good marriage and, and maybe for some actually there's a deeper hurt and pain and trauma that you've actually experienced within your relationship that you need professional help and counseling you know we as part of the vision this year steve has uh, uh, helped develop and, and we've created a, um, a counseling hub we're making counseling available for people and uh, marriages is a massive part of that as well and maybe you say actually we need some help um, please reach out please please ask um, you know, how we, can, how we can help, how can we be a part of that because sometimes we actually need to invest money and time into making our marriage better as well. We can't just go, it's going to get better if we just leave it as it is. It probably won't unless we actually invest into it. So can I encourage you? Maybe it's time to spend some money and resource, but the great thing about the Counseling Hub is we can do a lot of this for free because of the generosity of people who want to invest in your marriage as well. So reach out. We want to hear from you. Yeah. So, last question. For your marriages, when will we make a time to pray during this week for our marriage? Will we put a time in our day? Maybe it's the end of the day. Maybe it's as you go to sleep. Maybe it's when you wake up in the morning. You might, you might go, man, we want to pray three times a day. You go for it. You, you do what you, what you have to do. But what I would encourage you to do, if you, if you haven't been praying, just pray once this week. Just add it as a part of a regular habit with the goal being eventually we're going to be praying every day for each other. Let's pray about it. So good. You know, our challenge to you all, and we absolutely um, are on board with this process as well, is to choose at least one question to focus on. You know, maybe it's a commitment to communication. Maybe it's to be a little bit less selfish and consider the needs uh, of your spouse greater than you, your own. Maybe, like Mike said, it's a time to actually look at some and address some unresolved conflict or a time that we can actually, a renewed commitment to pray with and for each other. Awesome. And maybe for some, uh, you might be in a relationship where you're not married. And uh, my invitation is extended again today. Uh, we, we said, you know, if, if cost is an issue for you getting married, we want to take that off you. My time's free. This venue is free. Um, I, I said all the, the, the only cost would be your marriage license. And uh, someone came up to me afterwards and said, well, if that's the only cost, I'll pay for that. So somebody who's got a free marriage license, if you want to get yourself married, come and see us. And we would love to be a part of that. You know, because we believe God's design for marriage is that we are married, that relationships, we are married in God's sight. And with witnesses to be able to say we are committing to each other in our relationship with God. When we bring God into our relationship. That is the only surefire way of keeping a relationship together. God is the difference in our relationship, and I pray that He would be in yours. Again, no guilt, no condemnation, but come and have a conversation. Let's talk about it. Let's see if we can help you get married, if that's uh, God's will uh, for your relationship. Awesome. Cool. We'd just love to pray for, um, for the ladies, for the men here, so I'm going to go first. <laughs> 
Yeah, Father God, I just thank you for this time that we've been able to spend um, together. Um, Lord, I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you that it is truly you who make a difference in our relationships. And Father God, I just want to pray for all the ladies here today, um, and especially the wives. I pray that you would help us to be incredible helpmates to our husbands, to set a beautiful tone in our home that is led by you, Holy Spirit. May the heart of our husband trust us, and we pray that he would lack no good thing. Uh, Let our love be patient and kind. Lord, I pray that you would give us a love that bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Father, I want to pray for the men, uh, the the husbands. God, I pray for incredible courage to lead within their homes, to lay down their lives so that we would model Christ the way you modeled leadership and relationship. Father, I pray for, for those of us that need to step up and lead our family in prayer. God, I pray for the courage to have that conversation today, to say, I'm sorry. I want to lead. Would you let me? I pray for grace to be extended, Lord, in those conversations. Lord, maybe it hasn't happened the way we wanted it to. God, I pray for grace for each other, that we would commit to investing into this relationship. And God, we thank you that we can't do it without you. We need your help. You are the one that sustains all relationship. And so God, we look to you for our help. Look to the Lord. Where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord, the maker of heavens and the earth. And so we look to you, God, for help within our relationships. God, I pray for blessings to be on every relationship, strength, courage, a deeper intimacy in relationship. Lord, may you bless them, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you. You can leave me now if you want. <laughs> I just want to give an opportunity um, at the close of every message. We, we truly believe that all relationships hang on our relationship with God. There's one relationship that's more important than any other relationship, and that's our relationship with Jesus. And we believe here that, that Jesus is the Savior of the world. Jesus came into this earth to live a perfect life, to die a death he didn't deserve. And he did that for a single purpose, so that humanity, mankind, could be restored to relationship with God. And I don't know what your relationship with God is like. I don't know whether you know him, whether you've had a relationship with him, whether you've known him once and maybe you've walked away, but today you're here saying, I I'm hearing about a God that loves me. I've sung songs. Something's shifted, something stirred within my heart, and I need to respond to God. I want to give that invitation to you today. No pressure on you, but with your, with your eyes closed, your head bowed, would you take a moment just to consider your relationship with God? And maybe today you would open your life and say, God, I, I don't know all about you. I don't know everything about you, but, but I know I need you. I know my life is nothing without you. If that's you here today, I would love to pray a a prayer. And if you would pray that prayer and mean it from your heart, it's a prayer of salvation, of being saved, saved from our old way of living, putting our hope and our trust in a God that loves us and has made a way for us to be right with Him. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, 
Thank you for your love for me. Thank you that you gave Jesus, your only son, to die on the cross in my place. Jesus, I turn from my old way of living and I ask you to forgive me. I want to follow you and live my life for you. Would you help me today by your grace? In Jesus' name. You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear.